I'm going to give you a treat maybe today. If you remember when you were in school and, and your teacher would say, okay, we have a movie we're going to watch today, and you'd get all excited because you didn't have to really listen that hard, or you could put your head down on your desk and maybe pretend like you were paying attention with this year, right? Yesterday morning, Annika and I were sitting down looking at, we look at these videos um, on the computer that come out. They come out like five every day, and they're just every kind of random thing that you could imagine. And this one came up, and uh, I just started crying. It was so touching to me. But it told this, this, this video, if you watched it with a certain kind of lens over your eyes, it tells a story that's all of us. Um, if you haven't been here before or, or you haven't been here in a while, we've been talking about breaking chains, that um, there are chains of bondage that bind us. And ultimately, I think when we finish this, it's going to be a conversation about identity. And that's kind of what today's discussion is, but this one isn't that one. There's a, there's a much deeper conversation that needs to happen about identity before we're done with this this whole time of focusing specifically on breaking chains. And I'm watching this video, and I'm seeing this guy, and he's so timid, and he's so afraid, and then he gets so happy, but then he gets so afraid, and then he gets so happy again, and he gets so afraid. And and I want you to watch him. I want you to watch. There's actually two of them, and maybe you've seen them. One of them was like kind of viral on the Internet, I think, at one point in time. You might recognize it, but I want you to look at these two guys' faces, and I want you to see how they go from this this place, this face of, oh my gosh, you know, what's going to happen to me, to almost sheer joy, and then back to concern again, all right? And see how the reaction that other people have towards them drives their countenance. And then their countenance gets up, and then I think, if you wanted to put it in our context, then the liar gets in their ear and he starts to tell them, you're not who they say you are. Just wait a minute. Somebody will tell you who you are so their face comes back down again. So I want you to look at their faces. They're, they're really, really excellent sermon illustrations for the little tiny word that I got for you today. So um, play the first one. This is a guy named Paul Potts. A little lump of coal. Change into a diamond. I'm going to get a little ahead of myself. What, you don't need to put... That's, that's great. Um, <laughs> sorry. What, what, what if he said, you're just a little lump of coal and that's the most you're ever going to be is a little lump of coal? Who gets to tell Paul Potts whether he's a lump of coal or a diamond? And did you watch his face? He, how he, his, his countenance lifted as the people stood for him and cheered. And then when it came time to look at the judges, his head went back down again. Because the joy could only be as long as the cheering and the hand raising and the screaming and yelling. But now he was going to get judged again. And if the very first judge said, I'm not sure what they were standing about, but you're a lump of coal, it's only ever going to be a lump of coal, then none of it would have mattered, right? And then the first judge says, wow, you're awesome. And he smiled again. And then it was time for the second judge, and his head came back down again. Because he doesn't know what's coming next. Put up his picture. It's the one that says Paul Potts pick. Sorry, I put you on the spot. This next guy is the one that I saw. See him? Thank you, but thank you. Somebody just told him he's wonderful. Look how good he receives it. 
When's the other shoe come down? It's a shaky place to live. The next video is the one that I saw yesterday morning that just wrecked me. Watch his face. Watch him come up. Watch him come down. And listen to the song he's singing. It's so amazing that the song he's singing is literally the story of the video. Okay? Let's watch the second one now. Thanks. There's, there's bad news and there's good news. The bad news is that both of those guys found out, they didn't find this out really, but, but perceived themselves as really good when the people cheered. The bad news is that's the wrong place to find your identity. The good news is the people cheered, but the, the issue is they didn't honor the man, they honored the gift. But if the gift failed that day, they'd have gong showed him or booed him off stage or Simon Cowell would have said some horrible mean thing to him and he would have walked off the stage broken because he walked on the stage broken. He didn't know who he was. Neither of them know who they are. I see the lady Lindsay and I see the mom that says, that's my boy. I see that's the church. Uh, Scott James and his mom and Lindsay are the church and Scott is weak and he's struggling and the church comes around and you know without the encouragement of mom and without the encouragement of Lindsay, Scott James never stands in front of those people. He was afraid to come out of his house. He wouldn't even come out of his house. But his church lifted him up to the place where he could stand and get some sense for his goodness because, see, he's made in the image of Christ. And because he's made in the image of Christ, he's to be cheered, God in him, God's image in him. He's not to be crucified for his mistakes or put down because he's unemployed and 21 years old and he's afraid to come out of his house. See, we're those people. We're Scott. We're Paul Potts, we're the audience, we're the judges. We're that whole thing. Each and every one of us are both of those things. We're the person feeling like somebody's got to tell us we're okay, and we're the person deciding whether we're going to tell them that or not. Nobody should find their identity in what somebody else tells them. Because I might think you're awesome, and then you might look at me cross-eyed, and then I might think you're a jerk. Who the heck are you? Your identity's got to be founded on the rock that is what the Word of God says about you. And I promise you, mine's not. There are, there are ways that you can hurt me if you want to, and there's ways that you can lift me up. That song, I wish I could remember the exact words, but it talks about you, you lift me up on wings of eagles or wings like eagles and, and set me on the mountain. It's like as we're seeking to know who we are in Christ, we need to lift each other up. And we need to hold each other up. Paul Potts needs to be held up until he can stand up. When he stands up knowing who he is. And, and all of us have got identity issues. All of us have got identity issues. The thing that's horrible is that we talked last week about fortresses. These, these things in our minds that when we lose, this is so, so simplistic, but when we lose a spiritual battle, a battle between truth and lies, then, then the enemy gets to start to make a house in our minds because we believe the lie and we didn't believe the truth. So he gets to start to put some bricks in there and, and build this fortress. The thing that's most horrible is he lays the bricks and then he gets whoever is closest to us to smear the mortar on there so there's a place to stick the next brick. We got to be the people that cheer. We've got to be the people that encourage. We've got to be the people that edify, not the people that tear down, 
Because what you did isn't you. Honestly, if you did it good or you did it bad, sometimes you don't even really get to take credit for the good. What you are is what Jesus says about you. It wrecks me when I see people being nice to people. Just the simplest act of kindness to see a guy standing on that stage and have people honor him, be kind to him, and watch what it does to his countenance. I have some scriptures I want to read to you. They're all the same. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. To edify is to instruct or to improve. So no unwholesome words. Sometimes I think I shouldn't even speak. No unwholesome words. Only such a word as is good to edify, to build up, to, to, to strengthen according to whatever need that moment brings you so that that person will have grace. Romans fourteen nineteen. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Let's, let's not just purpose ourselves to speak them. Let's pursue those things that build one another up. And, gosh, I should have put this in there. In Philippians, it talks about that it's, it's excellent to consider other people more important than ourselves. That if we will consider others more important than ourselves, and we're starting to find the, the, the humble place that Jesus found when he came from heaven, from the throne of his throne, to come and just find himself as flesh man on earth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now this is the one that, this is the later one. I'm going to read you the earlier one, and you've got to find the middle one. Paul says, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. You people, you people are those people. Death and life are in the power of our tongue. And I'm telling you, it, it's so real. You people have the ability to lift up or to push down. You people have to choose to lift up always. I people have to choose to lift up always. I don't know, just before Christmas, we uh, went and visited Walton Shirley's small group on a Friday night, and they had a dinner, and uh, Gary and Linda Williams um, asked if they, well, actually, Walt was asking people to you know, speak about what the Lord's doing in your life. Is he speaking to you any kind of thing that, that might be a blessing for the rest of us to hear? And Gary and Linda shared that night, and it was um, absolutely beautiful. And then I think it was two weeks ago here on Wednesday night, um, Full of the Holy Spirit, Gary asked if he could if he could share with uh, the folks that were here that night, and it was it was beautiful and wonderful. And so we asked him if they would come and they would share with us, big us, what they shared with little us, and they said that they would. So um, Gary and Linda, if you'd come on up. I'm gonna 
assure you, I'm not going to be singing. <laughs> Neither is she. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> last, uh, Pastor Pat alluded to a couple Wednesday nights ago. That in itself was breaking some chains. I've had the opportunity of speaking a lot of, in front of a lot of people. Never bothered me one iota. But when I started talking about myself, that's one of those chains I had to break. And I, I've had two chains that really have bound me over the years. One of them being overly proud, which is just a nice way of saying hard-headed in one way. That, and the other is a veil of secrecy that I've always had. Throughout my life, I, I always looked at those as as an asset. You know, they protected me. What people, well, I told people what I wanted them to know about me and nothing else. And if they started delving, I shut them off. And I carried that throughout my whole life. Fortunately, I still have some friends. <laughs> But as I got older, and maybe it was age, that asset become a liability. It was like armor that I was carrying and it was wearing me down. And I wanted to change that. And I didn't know how. She asked me so many times, you know, geez, why don't you change your way you behave and the way you act? Because she knew down inside I was a good man. <laughs> she started asking me to go to church. And, well, I'll tell you, I just didn't have time between mowing the lawn and watching the lions to go to church on Sunday. <laughs> but she kept at me. Her and her mother were going to church, and they were going to the Freedom Center. So I decided I'll go with them. And i got to tell you, the first time I went there, that was a culture shock. <laughs> you know, there was no organ. There was a rock band. And the pastor didn't have a suit on. He had an orange shirt that he always wears and a pair of jeans. But somehow it lit a little bit of a fire in me. I didn't snooze that day. And so I started going back. The problem was... I was going to church, and I was going to church, and I was going to church. But that magic wand didn't hit me. The pastor didn't have that wand that was hitting me, and then nobody else seemed to have it. And then one day, Pastor Jim, and anybody's been to funeral, a funeral, <laughs> Freedom Center, <laughs> will say, I've heard Pastor Pat or Pastor Jim say. You can either go to church or you can be the church. And I thought about that all the way home. And I thought, you know what I've been doing is going to church. So I started volunteering for a lot of the building the sets for the Easter, going fishing with the guys, doing all those things and started meeting people. Because Freedom Center is a big church. And we would go in and we'd say hi to people and goodbye to people. But we really weren't getting to know people. We used to sit across and watch Pat and Teresa. And I'd think, oh, they're, boy, they're really into this thing. You know, I, I don't have that feeling. Why not? And I, part of it was my fear. 
I didn't want to expose myself. I didn't want people to see that part of me. But we kept going to church, and, and, and it was becoming more and more enjoyable each week. And then one Sunday, I asked somebody, where's Everett? And they said, oh, he's going over to the church on the street. That church on the street had just started not too long ago. So I told Linda that Sunday, I said, I'm going to go there and see, see Everett. So she went to Futum Center, and I went to church on the street. I walks into high school auditorium, and there's like 20 people. And it was people that I had recognized and knew. But I talked to people that day. I stayed. Pat welcomed me. Teresa welcomed me. And I went home, and I told Linda, I said, we got a new church. And she says, well, I like the one we're going to. <laughs> I says, then you go there. Because I said, I found a new church. I found a church where there's some people I'm going to get to know, their names, everything about them, and they're really friendly people. And so we started going. And each week, I still was having some problems, you know, getting involved. I would get involved in all the activities and everything, but it just wasn't hitting me. But it changed little by little, little by little. And, and some of these chains started bending at least a little bit and snapping a little bit. And I, I say this because there's probably some people just started the church, and they're looking for that magic. It'll come if you stay with it. If you really want it to, it'll come. Amen. Linda and I have four children, all good kids. Never give us any problem. But the oldest one, unfortunately, has a lot of my genes. He's like me. <laughs> I don't know about The problem was that him and I, when he became in his mid-teens and stuff, started batting heads. He just didn't understand me. He didn't understand what I wanted him to be and how I wanted him to be. He had his own mind. And that caused some real big problems. And it seemed like every time from the time he was in his mid-teenage years, every time we would have a conversation, it would turn into an argument. And it would be, I say black, he says white. I say yes, he say no. Until about seven years ago, it got to a point where we didn't speak to each other. And we didn't see each other. He we all, moved out several years before. Yes, and we always gave him a Christmas present. We always gave him a birthday present. But one day, one of the boys would deliver it to him. And I'd always ask her when he'd come home, how's he doing? She'd say, oh, he's doing fine. And she says, I asked him for to come over for Thanksgiving or Christmas or both. And he said he might, but he never showed up. I always thought about him. I didn't do nothing. This year, <coughs> Linda took uh, his birthday present over to him, and uh, 
church. He came home. I said, uh, "How's you doing? Doing good." I said, "Did you ask him to come?" "Oh yeah." She said, "I asked him to come," but she said he ain't gonna come till you ask him. And that wasn't about to happen right at that moment. But I got thinking about it. And she told, she said something to me. Excuse me. She said, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to take care of that. And I said, yeah, I will. I will. But I always remember what I told my boys. You're not what you say, what you do. So a couple days before Christmas, I told Linda, I said, where's he live? And I'll go there. And I did. And I went to the door and knocked. And he wasn't there. <laughs> what? Oh, man, what a relief. <laughs> all the way over there, I didn't know what I was going to say, what I was going to do. I had no idea. Just so I was ready to get back in the car, the neighbor came out and he said, you looking for Greg? And I said, yeah. He said, well, he's in the store in there helping that guy out. So I thought, well, I'm all the way over here. So I walked in and I seen him and I said, Merry Christmas, Greg. And he come running across the room and grabbed me. He came to Christmas dinner. He's come over and watched the games with me a couple times. And they get along, too. <laughs> That ain't all. The other chain that I've had to break is this veil of secrecy. I never tell people about myself. I just wouldn't do it. I couldn't do it for some reason. And I want to get rid of that. When I was going to the church over there, our church, when I was over at Lake Trenton School, people started getting up and giving testimonies. Dana and Kenny gave a testimony, and Shirley and Walt gave a testimony about their marriage. Lynn and I have been married for 52 years, and don't, don't think there wasn't a lot of problems. <laughs> Same as everybody else. I mean, you know in your heart of hearts that nothing's ever like it seems. You look at everybody else is happy. Everybody else has not got problems. It's just us. Everybody has problems. But you know, when they did that, I thought, well, I don't think I could get up there and do that. I just don't think I could talk about that, my problems. Because I was always raised to, you take care of your problems. Don't go sharing them with everybody. One day, there was a testimony, and Krista gave up, come up and, and gave a testimony. And my guts was wretched. I mean, I'm telling you, I... I just uh, couldn't hardly deal with it. And I felt so sorry for her until I got home and I got thinking about it and I thought, why am I feeling sorry for her? I ought to feel sorry for me. She's taking care of her problem. You know, when I was 12 years old, I had the li life was knocked for me, I'm telling you. My, my folks were divorced, but I lived with my mother, lived in a good neighborhood, had a bunch of friends. And one day I came home from school, and my mother wasn't there. 
And I didn't think too much of it, although that was something that didn't happen. But I changed my clothes, went out and played, come home, and she still wasn't there. And I fell asleep on the Davenport. I woke up the next morning, and she wasn't there. So I got dressed, and I went to school. I really didn't know what to do. I just continued on my life. I came home from school, and she wasn't there. So I called my grandma. And about three hours later, my dad and my stepmother came over and picked me up and said, come on, you're going to go live with us. And you talk about a shock. I mean, I went from kids that I had grown up and went through seven years of school with and, you know, I mean, just knew everybody in that area, come home from school, change my clothes, go down to the corner and play baseball to a certain time, come home. Everything was fine the way it's supposed to be, except now I was going to live and going to a different school. I was going to have no friends. There wasn't. I was going to a farm that there wasn't any kids within two miles of, and I was going to live with a stepmother and a father that I barely knew. I had not spent very much time with my father, and I was very, very bitter. You know, I just, inside of me, how could something like this happen to me, and why me? Krista got rid of that problem she had. With me, that hate just manifested for 60 years. And I'd try to subdue it, but I couldn't take care of it. But coming here and meeting all the people that I've met and all the friends that I've got here, and listening to people that's got rid of those problems, and everybody testifying to the fact that you're not unique. Every time I'd say something, you're not unique. You know, it's so like, well, I thought I was, you know, and, and found out that I wasn't unique. So I started doing like Isaac said last week, looking through a different set of eyes of understanding and looking at different ways of looking at things and looking at sometimes those are blessings in disguise. And so this thing that for all of my life, it's maybe what shapes some good things in me too. You know, it wasn't just all bad. It wasn't a torture. I was fortunate to have a good stepmother. The Lord blessed me with a fine stepmother that I learned a lot from. You know, step-grandparents that helped me and built a certain amount of character in me. So, you know, now when I start getting rid of this veil of secrecy, you know, that I don't feel like I have to keep it from me. Linda always used to be open. She'd start talking about family problems, and, oh, Linda, why don't you shut up? That's ours to take care of. But but she's stuck with me through all of this, all of this, all of this, more than she should have ever had to put up with. And I'm going to, you know, like I said, I'd either broke or bent these chains. If they're bent, I'm going to finish breaking. If they're broke, I'm going to keep them there. The only thing that's bad out of this whole thing, I don't know who cleans this place up, but, man, I'm telling you, there's a whole bunch of trash every Sunday and every Wednesday right over there. Somebody's cleaning up for me. It's going to... Hun, you got anything you want to say? 
Yes, you talked longer than I thought you were going to. <laughs> no, I do have something to say. This group of people, all of you, are wonderful. I, I never felt like I was judged. You're non-judgmental. If you are, you don't let it show. And I think you're just the most wonderful people. All I had to say. I have one, one other thing. You know, when you talk about a transformation, I'm an avid sportsman like Chris. I love to fish and hunt. I never thought, never in my life, thought I'd go salmon fishing with a pastor and two Jesus freaks. I <laughs> have Well, thank you. Nice catch. Good job. <laughs> it's all really excellent, but the part I wanted you to hear, really wanted you to hear, was at the end there. I kept saying, you people, you people, you people. And the reason I was saying that is I was remembering, th- I did this whole, this whole thing today was because I, I knew that Gary and Linda were going to testify, and when I saw that video, it made me just think that, man... Um, they're the same. When we would have our little, you know, seven guys would show up, men's meeting in here, but, you know, when it was just how it used to be, not how it is now, and we'd sit and we'd look at the scriptures and we'd talk to each other, Gary would say over and over again, you people, you people, you people are different. There's something about you people. I don't understand you people. And I'm like, well, you're one of we people, you know. But, <laughs> but he hadn't gotten to the place where he saw himself as, as, as like you people. And... Wednesday night when he got up here, he said, I'm different. I am telling you, I'm different. I don't care if any of you believe it or not, but I'm different. But everybody believes it. Everybody sees it. The important thing I wanted you to hear is you people matter. You people make a difference. Can you cue up the second video, the Scott James video? Scott James in his autism, Scott James in his fear of people is a picture of a person. How many people are there that you've been hurt? People have hurt you. And your heart is tender. So, so you, you, you guard your heart. You have this big thing around your heart. And because you guard your heart, you don't experience everything that you could experience because only an open heart can receive the fullness of the love that the Lord has for you and that the Lord has to to provide to you from other people. But in your mind, the fortress, the fear, is that the pain that could come if I expose my heart is more scary to me than the joy I might receive to my heart. So I'm I'm gonna protect myself and and this guy, Scott James, was that guy. I don't know what people are going to do to me. I don't know what it's going to be like. I have this autism, and what if somebody you know, makes fun of me, and I'm just going to stay in my house. I'm not coming out of my house. And if I stay in my house, nobody makes fun of me, and if I stay in my house, nobody tells me bad things about me. If I stay in my house, but if I stay in my house, I don't see the trees. I don't smell the air. I, I don't see the flowers. I don't get somebody to say, good day. The last scripture I want to read for you is you. 
The end part is for you. It's First Thessalonians, <laughs> Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, because of this, because God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that you've got to read these in context to understand the awake or the asleep, that we're the awake ones. We're the ones that live in the day, not in the darkness, the light. We live together with him. Therefore, because of those things, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. So a lot of times I feel like I'm telling you, you know, you've got to stop doing this and you've got to start doing this, but I'm telling you that I agree with the scripture that you're doing it that Linda said it, that Gary said it, that I see it, that when, when people come, we've had guest speakers come, every single person that comes says that you have a special love in your congregation that I don't feel in other places, that, that the presence of the love of the people is palpable, that it's, they can taste it when they come here. And I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for being that way, and I want to encourage you to keep being that way. I want to encourage us all to be the one that cheers and not the one that boos, that, that we will honor the person, whether the gift is excellent or the gift is weak. All right? All right. Man, God is a good God. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made to send Lord Jesus King of kings and Lord of lords down from heaven who thought it like not even something that you would chase after to be like God, even though he was God, that he wouldn't, he wouldn't even chase after his deity, his divinity, the power, the, the honor, the glory that comes from being God, but that he would come to be flesh, to be born flesh, to be raised flesh, to feel pain, to be humiliated, to, to have all those horrible things that had to be done. Because, see, Jesus, his beauty is not in if somebody spits on him or they don't spit on him. His beauty is not as if he's, if he's put a robe, a purple robe on to mock him as king, but he's not really king, they say. His, his, his beauty and his value is not that they could or they couldn't hang him on the cross and, and, and say all kinds of things. His beauty is intrinsic. It can't be taken away because nobody can give it to him because it exists. It just exists. Your beauty is intrinsic. Father, I pray that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we would see that our beauty is intrinsic in Christ, just like his was. They couldn't take his beauty away because they didn't give it to him. It was from you. If it's good or if it's perfect, it comes from you. We're approved because you say we're approved. You made it that way on purpose that no man could earn his salvation. You can't earn your salvation. You can't be good enough. You can't make somebody cheer loud enough. You're good because of Jesus. You're good because Jesus is good. And you don't have to care about anything more than that just to be like Jesus. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Holy Spirit. Thank you for the power that comes in our weakness to transform us, to be like Jesus. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you encourage us and you, and you push us on and you lift us up to encourage one another. And thank you that you help us and you tell us to not speak when we don't have the right thing to say. I pray we listen to both of those. We bless you and we honor you because you are good. We pray in Jesus' name.